today we're talking about as we're wrapping up 2021 and getting into 2022, what are some of the biggest things that happened in 2021 that can help us as we get into our 2022 strategy? So um, as we wrap up 2021, let's take a minute to look back. Um, everybody, my name is John Lincoln. I'm CEO of Ignite Visibility, and this is Alan Bush, who's our Vice President of Strategy. And this has been a crazy year. So from uh, Google's algorithmic updates to cookie list tracking, here are some of the top stories of 2021. So some of the biggest stories this year actually came from Google algorithm updates. So there was Google who launched Core Web Vitals, and that actually happened in 2020, but the changes happened as we got into 2021. So in June 2021, Google rolled out a ranking update, followed it with getting actually rid of the AMP badge. So that was a really big thing. Also, it updated the top stories carousel feature and all news stories so that you actually don't need to have the AMP badge in order to show up in there. And then by the end of August 2021, Google also initiated an update to their core web vital metrics, LCP, FID, CLS, and to a site's uh, mobile friendliness, safe browsing, HTTPS, and no intrusive interstitials. So really, you know, there was a lot that happened, right? We're getting rid of AMP. There's Google Core Web Vital updates that are happening. And, you know, Alan, I wanted to ask you, um, what have you experienced with Core Web Vitals specifically? Is there anything big that you're looking at around Core Web Vitals right now? Really, it was correlated with page speed, but in actuality, it's more about the user's experience with page speed. So not just the fact that the site loads, but what is the user getting from the site? And this goes back to the actual um, BERT launch they launched a couple of years ago. And they said you can't optimize for that, right? But essentially it's really about um, the intent and what the user is getting out of that intent and how quickly they get it. And I've noticed that uh, clients that are really dialed in with that tend to rank better. I mean, uh, there's no direct correlation, but there are some indirect correlations with that. But the more you can improve the user experience, especially in the mobile space, the more apt that Google will see your site as a clean engine and then give you more boost on rankings. So that's what I've seen so far with a, a lot of our clients and even people that are outside of our industry. Really good information there. Uh, moving on to the, to the next story. Um, one of the big things that happened in 2021 is Google changed the way it manages reviews, and indexes Google meta tags. So these meta tags, they live in the code of a web page, if you don't know, and they describe the content on the page to search engines. And this allows search engines to better index the page. And keyword stuffing in these tags used to be really common, but Google algorithms have gotten smarter. And this means that marketers need to be really strategic with their meta tags and in addition to that, um, not just the meta descriptions, but the meta titles, we saw that meta titles, Google actually started building their own meta titles. So, you know, what, what changes are you seeing inside of meta tags, meta titles, and anything specific around that that happened last year that marketers need to take into 2022? They really have to be aligned. If you do have the meta titles, sometimes the descriptions don't pop up in Google. Normally, it was like a one-to-one -one correlation. Like if you put the title in there, it'll appear in Google that way. But Google's now extracting data from not only the titles, but your headers especially and the content. So these things have to be aligned. And this is a strategic thing that we do at Ignite all the time as we make sure that your, your messaging is congruent in the headings and in the title tags, but now they're grabbing information from those headings. So you can't just put willy nilly things in there. You have to make sure that they're up, up to part of the, what you want to communicate. So uh, that's the, the most important thing. This, the jury's still out is whether or not they're going to stay with that. But I've, I have noticed that they're grabbing 
uh, like you said, uh, what they think you the user wants to grab from your website. And it's coming from the heading tags, it's coming from the intro content paragraph and the title and meta descriptions. 100%, yeah, I'm definitely gonna agree with you on that one. So making sure your headings match your titles, and then the other thing that I've been seeing a lot is if you're putting in numbers, if you're putting in emotional words, if you're putting in specific things in your titles and descriptions, you're really able to increase those click-through rates. And so, you know, really want to make sure you're taking the time to uh, get those things, you know, working at, at maximum capacity. Yeah. You know, the next thing that happened in November is Google um, had a big update around Google My Business and the way that it evaluates local search results. So according to Google, it involved a rebalancing of various factors that they consider in generating local search results. So the major factors involve the rebalancing where it's relevancy, um, distance, and prominence. And, um, you know, Google came out with some advice around that. But, you know, I think what I saw there was that if it's within a certain distance, if the Google My Business profile was really fully filled out, if you could see that people took the time to do it, if they had more recent reviews, it ranked better. Alan, was there anything specifically that you saw around uh, the local search update in November? Yeah, um, there, there's been a few things related to that. You could be a further distance and still rank locally in certain areas. So um, distance still matters 100%, but um, especially if you're kind of a prominent or uh, you know, a, a kind of a pioneer in your space, uh, you could have a wider range. Also, uh, we've been working with people with service areas, so not just the fact that you have a brick and mortar location, but the service, if you service a certain area, you could also get in that area. So we have to make sure that your Google My Business is updated. And there's features within Google My Business that allow you to say, okay, I service this area. A restaurant wouldn't be a good example of that, but let's say you do a renovation company. You, know, you don't have to have a brick and mortar based on the area that you, that you actually do that in. So um, we're seeing some good results by optimizing those Google My Businesses for specific service areas. And um, I think that's the one of the good factors for people that are, don't have brick and mortar locations. And we're going more remote now, right? So um, we may be able to service areas without necessarily have to be there. So those are the things I've noticed more so. I'm really excited about where this is going in 2022. Yeah, you know, you can get a page ranking local without even having a location. We've had a lot of success with that. Mm -hmm. But specifically, just, you know, so everybody knows from the Google documentation, they say, enter complete data, uh, verify your locations, keep your hours accurate, manage and respond to reviews, and add photos and videos and make sure, you know, you're keeping everything up to date. Now, as we get into uh, social media stories that made the digital marketing news in 2021, one of the biggest ones we saw was TikTok. TikTok becomes the number one website on the internet, which just blew my mind. And there's so many implications around this one. I mean, it's like the biggest one for me is that it goes from a the biggest website being a searched website where people are searching for information they want to find out to mm -hmm. the biggest website being a push website that is actually pushing information yeah. at people. Uh, what are you thinking about TikTok, Alan? You know, is this going to be important for people's strategy going into 2022? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people want to get into TikTok and they don't know how because they think it's more of like you do a dance and you go viral or something. <laughs> and it's not about that. There's a really big community. I was surprised, to be honest with you, because I'm not a huge, you know, TikTok person. But uh, that's being said, I, I, from what I've understood of it and what I've been on there, there are a lot of supportive um, uh, videos and, and community around that. And so I think it's more based, like you said, there's a push portion of it and there's an emotional digest of content. So the people that are on there want to see something that touches their heart somewhere, right? So it may be about 
finding out what that is for your business and projecting that outward so that people can understand how you feel and or your emotional response to what they need from you uh, rather than, hey, here's my service, here's what I do for a living, whatever it is. So I think that, um, that we have to recalibrate the way we think about these social media channels. They're not just there to advertise, they're there to project some kind of vision or emotion related to what we're doing. So that's where TikTok's really going to come into play. Yeah, I really like that, Alan. You know, and I think I think we should spend a minute on TikTok because it is the biggest site now. I mean, it overtook Google. Yeah. I, I'm in a mastermind group and in November of 2019, they were talking about it for the first time. And so kind of I've kind of had my eye on it for a while. I've created some content on there. You can uh, follow me on John Lincoln Official. And, and what I've seen is, you know, even if I just put out short snippets of information, um, it gets so much reach. So I really feel like if businesses can put out clips that are, you know, three seconds to 15, you know, 30 seconds, they can have a lot of success there and get a lot of reach. And there's just so many people on the app now, you really have to be on it. I mean, it's the number one place people are spending time online. So I, I'm, I'm calling it, I'm saying 2022 is the year for TikTok when businesses get on there. I, I have a feeling that we're going to be getting, you know, 50 to 80% of our clients on it this year. And, um, you know, really, really excited about it. You know, another one that came up this year that was really big in 2021, but I'm, I'm a little bit less bullish on going into 2022 was Clubhouse. Yeah. So I actually, I got to tell you, I, I was a naysayer about it. I, I really felt like it was going to be a fad from the beginning. It was going to rise up quick and then go away. And I don't know why I felt that way because I usually jump on stuff right away. But, you know, we, we have seen that on some degree where people came in, they were using it, they were really enjoying it. It has declined a little bit. We know that uh, Facebook built a audio version, uh, Twitter built Twitter spaces, but there's still some people on there. And I wonder if it'll make a resurgence in 2022. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, Alan, how are you feeling about Clubhouse and audio apps in general? Yeah, the audio space. I love the audio space. I, you know, I'm a big fan of the podcasting and, and being on voice activated things, but I think it takes a little bit more effort. And um, some people kind of want to still have the, the, the anonymous factor of being just writing and, and posting and kind of controlling what you say, because with audio, you have to improv for the most part. You can't edit yourself when you're on there. You will get bigger players, I think, in that space. You know, people that are really pioneers and then people who want to listen to that. And one thing good about audio, and I don't know if Clubhouse will introduce this, and I think this is what kind of was, is, um, I can predict it will set them apart, is that if you get an app in your car, for example, or something that's like related to something that you're, when you're traveling, you get to hear and participate in certain things. That's the benefit of podcasts that they're on so many different apps um, and, and you, can, you can digest information. So um, I'm like you, I kind of doubted it, you know, because it felt like a chat room. Remember chat rooms back in the yeah. day? You know, it was like that. I was like, what, what is this? This is just talking. Like, what, why is this a thing now? Um, but that being said, though, because of the, the way it's interfaced and the, and the people that the community that have built around it, um, we do have to pay attention to it. And, and I was always told when I was doing podcasting myself is that I listen to you on the way to doing things or while I'm working out or whatever it is. So you can reach people without necessarily having them be in front of a screen. So that's the yeah. benefit. Yeah, I like your point. Um, one, one of the many points you made, but you know, I, I think a really notable figure can have a lot of success there. And but one of the things I find that's a really big challenge right now is like, if I wanted to, if you wanted to, many people, you know, if you want to go live on Instagram, you want to go live on Facebook, you want to go live on Twitter, you want to go live on LinkedIn, you want to go live on YouTube, Clubhouse, wherever you want to have an event. I mean, you can have an event now and broadcast to the world. And so I just wonder 
if there's less attention on like a clubhouse and there's, there's more attention and eyeballs on some of these other sites, where's the best one? So I think, I think that's something for everybody to kind of consider. And it probably comes down to where your customers are and where you have the biggest audience and where they're doing their research. But another big story that happened as we get into paid media stories for 2021. And one of the things that actually I'm the most excited about, I'm actually writing a book on it right now, is something called value-based bidding. Okay. So Google did a presentation for us on this. Um, but essentially value-based bidding, it's a term, you know, uh, learn it, uh, get used to it. And it's this idea that you're doing your smart bidding, you're doing your bidding in, inside of Google based off of actual monetary return to your business, not necessarily uh, based off of uh, what would be considered a conversion on a website inside of Google Analytics. So like if somebody just filled out a contact form or just went to your contact page, Value-based bidding is that final point of sale, that actual revenue, and then feeding it back into the ad system. So I'm really excited about this. In, in particular, actually, I'm, I'm really excited about connecting all of the dots. Like, I want to be able to forecast, see real-time data, see final sale data, and then just kind of create this flywheel that perpetuates on itself. So we're working on this and have, have done some pretty cool work on the paid media side um, here at Ignite. And, and Alan, I mean... What are your feelings around this too? Are you equally excited? Is there any points that maybe I didn't cover that you feel are interesting around this topic? No, it's interesting you bring this up because it is kind of like a, almost like a CRO for advertising, right? It's really optimizing the experience that you're getting and you know, putting the, the dollars where the value is. I think that's a, it's an important strategy for everybody, in my opinion. There's intent behind certain things. There's an, uh, I use an acronym all the time with, with the people. It's awareness, is research, and it's conversion. It goes through that arc, right? And I, I use it with my students and everything. But um, the value of someone who's just aware of what you are versus where they're at the conversion point and then where they're at the research point could be quantified differently. And I think with this new technology, we'll be able to grab the data from that and then apply it to other channels like a, a SEO or email or anything related to that. So if we can get data and extract what's going on here, plus the forecasting that we're working on here, um, that's gonna be really, really uh, a game changer if we, can, if we can extract it and apply it to all the content that we generate for all these other channels. I agree 100%. And you know, now what, what they're doing is they're, they're kind of doing ROAS-based, value-based bidding, but they say the next evolution is going to be profit margin-based, value-based bidding based off of how much money you're making off of a, a specific product. And then the final evolution will be customer lifetime value. So we're pumped up. We're actually setting this up, um, working with Google with three or four clients now, and we'll be doing some demos on it and things like that. Another thing that happened which was maybe the biggest story of the year, I, I think, was the Apple iOS 14 update. And that rolled out in September of 2020. And at April 2021, there was the release of 14.5. Now that had a really big impact on digital marketing. So the, yeah, the main thing the Apple iOS update did is made it so that people had to opt in so that the apps could track them. And we saw that it dropped from, you know, 80, 90% of people who were being tracked by, you know, these apps in the Apple store that were feeding data to Google. It dropped all the way down to like 15% as far as how much people were able to be tracked. And that had a major implication on Facebook ads. So, you know, this, this, made a huge, huge difference. And Alan, tell us your thoughts on it. And then, you know, I, I've got a couple strategies I want to get in front of people that I think can be really helpful, but how did you feel about this update? It, it was a really big blow. And I forget, because I'm not an Apple user, except with an iPad, but I use mostly when I'm in my workspace as a as PC. But um, 
I forget how big the Apple community is. And for that significant drop, um, or where we see that huge impact, it's like amazing. Um, I also think that, you know, and, and we'll call, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but people going into the cooking this web and all that other stuff, they're de detracting the amount of information that marketers get. So we have to be a little more savvy about what the information that we do get. And then, and there is room for opportunity. There might be, sometimes we get blinded by data, right? So maybe we could just get a little bit more intuitive and, and, and empathic about how, how the Apple users are, right? So, um, so again, I still see this as more of an opportunity. Um, we'll still be able to get data, but I do think this is gonna change the way we value, do our marketing and, and position our content. Yeah, really well said. I mean, I think, you know, just like you said, the Apple iOS update and then the Google you know, cookie-less web, you know, those two things. I mean, the big answer for it is better creative, better top of funnel offers, um, and then using your database to target people. And then in addition to that, um, gathering specific data and then using that for, for targeting. I mean, really, when you think about it, the main thing that was taken away was your audience targeting, right? You can't target that same audience. But if you can get that audience data and bring it back to the platform, you can target those same people again. So, uh, if you want to learn more about specific strategies around that, there's a lot of it on the Ignite Visibility YouTube channel that you can mm -hmm. you can check out. You know, another thing that happened that I, you know, I was covering the news a lot this uh, year. And one of the things I saw that really jumped out at me was WordPress plugin vulnerabilities. So, um, so many times, you know, a plugin would be hacked, a million sites hacked, a plugin be, be hacked, another million sites hacked. <laughs> Um, how do you feel about WordPress and content management systems? And like, where, where's your head at around, you know, things getting hacked and what's your thoughts there, Alan? Oh, yeah. Uh, WordPress needs to step up the game or someone needs to go in and, and reevaluate the way it is. I mean, even the fact that the default is the same way since we've been doing this in the industry, WP-admin, you know, <laughs> you could just go right there. But there, because it's such a vast open source place, you're going to get all these great plugins that are being introduced and then someone's going to find a vulnerability and, and install it. And that's why sites like Shopify and Wix and, and uh, Squarespace have come up because they, they, they are closed source. You can't go in and do certain things. And I'm not, I don't prefer one versus the other. I actually, I'm a big WordPress fan. Um, you know, but, but I, I do think that you really need a lot more savvy WordPress users and WordPress plugin developers to unhack all these things and, and, and create the less vulnerability. Um, I think, hopefully WordPress will, will kind of start implementing a little more systems that are kind of native to the platform rather than relying on third-party plugins. I agree with that. I mean, I think the plugins, they just don't have the time to get their security right. And, you know, it's, it's not just WordPress necessarily, like GoDaddy had a global data breach. We're seeing so many data breaches online, so many things around um, security, so many things around privacy. You know, we've got the, the, we've got the CCPA, uh, we've got um, GDPR, we have um, ADA compliance, you know, it, it was really the year of um, security and privacy concerns. And we're even seeing that happen on the native platforms where, you know, they're starting to censor certain things. So um, definitely feeling like just in general, the web is getting a lot tighter. You know, the, the old days of spamming and jamming, which used to be really fun, you know, back in um, <laughs> 2010-ish um, yeah. have gone away. Now it's it's real business there. So, you know, as we're looking ahead into 2022, Alan, you know, kind of reflecting on some of the stories we just talked about and kind of closing today, like what what kind of goes through your head? Like um, what what are you most excited about? Where do you see the web heading and 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 in general, you know, around implications for digital marketing? Yeah, I'm I'm a really big fan of the fact that we're really leaning more in towards the intent and not just 
grabbing a bunch of backlinks and spamming and jamming, as you mentioned, uh, is more about really getting to the crux of why we're doing what we're doing, really putting that forward. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned, but um, this whole uh, kind of virtual reality, augmented reality space is going to seep into our traditional web. So we're going to see a lot more opportunities popping up within there, you know, Facebook becoming meta. And I think that's just the start of it. I believe that there's going to be some other areas where we could figure out how we can implement digital marketing in a virtual reality or augmented reality space. So I feel like that's this, this year, we're going to see a lot more of that. Definitely a, a pretty exciting year in 2021. As you look back, there were a lot of security breaches, a lot of tightening of the web. Um, really, really all around. We're seeing people get, you know, a lot more advanced with, with their tracking. It's now become the main place to advertise. You know, it's always kind of fighting this battle between TV and radio. That is fully shifted at this point. I've oh, seen yeah. it with our clients' marketing budgets. You know, before maybe we were 30%, 40%, 50% of where they were spending their their annual marketing budgets now were more like 80. Yeah. So that that shift has has really occurred. And it's a, a really exciting time for digital marketing. You know, I think value-based bidding, um, very clear systematic strategies for SEO, um, making sure you've got your content right for social media and you've got a really good strategy there. But and I also think it's going to be the year of omni-channel. Omni-channel. So yeah. All the different channels to kind of work together and, and knowing how all the channels can kind of fit, fit that perfect puzzle depending on the industry that you're in and just depending on the type of business model that you're in, whether it be, you know, e-commerce, lead gen, news website, FAQ website, marketplace, et cetera. So 2022 is going to be a super exciting year. Uh, stay tuned to the Ignite Visibility YouTube channel. We've got some great stuff coming up. We're going to be reopening our marketer of the week. So we will be interviewing marketers on this podcast um, every single week and and kind of getting their story and how they got to where they are. And also, Alan, we're going to be doing um, an event on search engine optimization as well, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be exciting. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be uh, one of the most advanced SEO webinars of all time. We've pulled some really great data, done a ton of research on some of the most advanced and craziest recommendations that have come out. And uh, here's to a great 2022, everybody. Go ahead and leave us a comment or a question if you have one. And we'll see you next time. Alan, thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care.